Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows. I'm the director and owner of Snowpro Ski School based here in Valdelier in Switzerland. Um, you join me from a very foggy and rainy Valdelier. The ski season is uh, over on the Swiss side of the Port de Soleil, although there's still some decent skiing to be had at Glacier 3000 and I'm guessing Verbier and some of the other places that are that are still open. Um, here in the Port de Soleil, uh, Avoria and Chatel Pre- uh, Prelaju will still be open for sure, I think for another week or, or, or to the end of this week, certainly. Um, but for me, I've kind of had enough. It's been a, a very long season and um, a very busy end to the season, hence the two-month delay since the last time that, that, that I put anything out, um, since the last podcast that I put out. Um, it's been very, very busy season, very successful season, very happy with how everything's gone uh, this winter. We've got through an amazing amount of work and, and um, everyone in the team seemed to be pretty happy. So um, yeah, absolutely amazing. And we've got lots of really cool plans for, for things that are going to happen next year. And that's now going to be my role from now until the autumn is just trying to put in place all of the um, the, the stuff behind all of the cool stuff that we're going to be doing. Um, in between the this podcast and the last one, we've had Interski, and that's really the focus of, of this podcast here today. So I wanted to put something timely uh, in, and I had a chance to have a chat with Derek Tate, who we had on episode five of this podcast a really, really long time ago. And um, I got him back because he's just returned from from Levy in Finland, where Interski was. And uh, the purpose of this podcast was for him to give us his thoughts and impressions um, of Interski, which certainly is the one that's been covered by the most media ever. I've never seen so much content um, from previous Interskis. Um, But Derek gives us a a sort of perspective of someone who went and someone who attended a lot of the, the seminars and saw a lot of the UNSO stuff. And um, I thought it would be a really, really good opportunity for us to share what he saw and um, and and go from there. Um, in addition, Derek has uh, given or he talks in this this podcast about a report um, that he's put together, which is a sort of report that he's done on the, the, the Interski Congress, what he learned, what he found out the things that he went to go and see. Um, so I'm going to drop a link to that in the uh, the notes for this podcast. And uh, and I'll also drop a link in there for the book that we talked about and, and, and for him um, and for his ski school in Chamonix as well. Um, we generally start with a bit of a catch up on this. Um, I'm going to let this podcast go straight through, by the way. It's uh, only about one hour 20, the chat. So um, I'm going to start with a bit of a catch up with Derek, find out what he's been up to. And, uh, and then we move into the interski stuff and we talk about teaching um, and technical and what kind of stuff that he he saw when he was there and, uh, and some other bits and pieces in there as well as the usual tangents that I know that you all love. Um, so from me, uh, I wish, I hope you had a really, really good ski season. Um, I've got the motorbikes out of the garage now and I'm just trying to do something other than skiing because uh, it was a very long season and, um, and I just want to switch my mind onto something different for a little bit. Um, got uh, after this podcast, the next few is going to be either a two or a three part episode, um, which I recorded a long, long time ago, pre, pre, pre-winter, pre but um, I've been looking forward to putting that one 
together and I just need to get my teeth into that and I'll, I'll do that over the next month or so. Hope you're all well, hope you had a great season and uh, I will catch you on the next episode. So, that was my podcast voice. <laughs> Thanks for coming over. You're going to be the first person that I've interviewed in the new Snow Pro's office. It's pretty excited about. Although it's currently an art studio, but it's going to be an office at some point. But how have you been? How was your winter? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, nice to come over and see your part of the world for for a change. Uh, as we did this, well, I think it's four years ago. Well, you were episode five. Yeah, so, four years uh, ago. So since then, I've managed to find. 50 other people to speak to. Which is pretty, pretty good going. <laughs> Still be doing it. Some are repeats, but yeah, 50, 50 yeah. In, the, in the bag. So, or 50 so I, I get to be a second timer. I you get a second, not many people get a second you've timer. A few, you've a few you've had twice, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Julia keeps bringing me up and hassling me to have another go. I'm like, <laughs> I think you've got something to say that's interesting and you're not just going to, you know, bang on about other stuff. So, yeah. well, that's yeah. cool. So, what have you been up to? How was your season? Yeah, it's been it's been a good season, um, in spite of challenging conditions, snow wise. It's uh, yeah, I mean the snow lower down has been poor. I think in most places for years, yeah. I'm sure. Um, so that's been a bit of a struggle. You know, we didn't have lazouche to use, well, we did have it to use, but it wasn't in great condition a lot of the season. Mm. And it's always our bad weather, um, you know, option when the, the wind blows and jumps. Is that what you go there because it's got trees and stuff yeah it's got trees and it's always open um, okay. but yeah conditions were not as good they did manage to stay open but yeah it just wasn't great conditions you'd sometimes get some good powder days down there but I mean, I think they were few and far between yeah um, we had um we would touch and go so we moved a lot of the lessons that so around here Morjan was closed uh, during christmas new year um i to remember that it seems so long ago um, we moved a lot of lessons to La Crozet, and La Crozet was, I would say, one or two days away from closing, because you couldn't, the bottom, there were like these little strips to get back to the lifts, yeah, and like matting and stuff to get up to it, it was really, really bad, but the people that did come, because we didn't really have any locals at that time, um, locals by that, I mean, that's about clients who live around here who come, but we did have a lot of like brick tourists who came and they didn't seem to care at all that the conditions weren't great because they'd had two or three years where they couldn't ski at all yeah so they true. just made the most of it it was absolutely i mean that was really really positive to see because we're sort of sitting there you know making pulling all sorts mm. of funny faces going oh do we really want to ski in this but actually i just think i think we were the same now think we were finding it more challenging than the yeah. than the you know guests yeah. coming. You know, they they actually had great time. You know, we had you know, lots of great lessons this yeah. this winter. And so yeah, I think think from a, a guest point of view it was fine. But it was just a challenge for us because I suppose we were expecting better conditions. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, February half term particularly was warm and it was just yeah. getting close to a lot of rounds closing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we had, I mean, I think the, the bit I think that, that I've noticed in recent years is that 
what the clients really like is sunshine and blue skies. Mm. We, we don't get that many clients that really want to go and ski powder all the time and stuff. You know, that's not the lesson that we tend to get. We get a few, you know, we get a share of those, but not very many. Yeah. And I think what people really want when they come out is they don't want rain, they don't want weather. They just want blue skies, perfect pieces. Yeah. You know, and a ski the piece. And that seems, you know, and a nice sunny terrace to go and have lunch. That seems to be what the experience that a lot of clients are looking for. Yeah. I suppose it's different for us in Chamonix because, you know, we're running a lot of off-piste courses so people yeah. are hoping for powder <laughs> <laughs> but but learning that off piece can be anything <laughs> uh, we didn't have it this year the u.s seems to be just it's yeah, still snowing yeah, right yeah they definitely got you know um, more snow yeah but in sham in chamonix you didn't have that much sort of volume no i mean the amount of snow over the season was much less than we would normally get yeah, I think um, higher up it was. It was obviously when it rained lower down, it was snowing higher up. So mm-hmm. you know, we're lucky to have Grand Monte because it's you know a good high area. That uh, the Chamonix Valley areas generally the main skiing's above eighteen hundred meters. So mm-hmm. so you know I think that was that was okay this season. But yeah, below eighteen hundred was a bit more of a challenge. Could imagine. Um, so, yeah, yeah, but we we got through it. Oh. And, uh, We'll, we'll, as always, hope for great snow next year. As always. <laughs> it's got it. Yeah, well, we've, we've had two kind of, I don't know, what it was, I can't even remember what it was like last year. But I seem to remember it was, it was a sort of an average season. I think we are due a big, big snow yeah. going at some point. Yeah, we, we, got, we got quite a good snow season when we were all locked down in France. <laughs> and go down yeah, and that's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> was quite good snow then yeah, when we were out touring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then towards the end of the season, I mean, we didn't, we, it sort of dropped off a bit of a cliff for us. And I heard from a lot of people that there'd been quite bad PR in all the people in the UK, for example, had seen, you know, those Daily Mail headlines, there's no snow, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people, I don't think, decided not to come at, at Easter. And then we got our typical kind of late, you know, it's still lovely up there. You can yeah. still see. Um, yeah, and I was skiing at Lake Antamine yesterday, and the conditions were very yeah. good. It was still, you know, completely white covered beasts. You know, where some years you could be brown patches and stuff, yeah. but none. No, you know, so yeah, good conditions at the end of the season. It's typical in our region, isn't it? It's sort of the ski season does go on well into April. Yeah, third week of April, which is what we're in now. Yeah, it's still skiing exactly. to be had around here, quite a lot of it. And I think we've also got. I went. I was. I was up. One of my last days of the season was up at Glacier Three Thousand. It was fantastic up there. Mm. You know, 3,000 metres up and a piece of grey, everything. It's just loads of snow up there. Yeah. They're all set for, for the autumn, for sure, as long as it's not too hot this summer. Um, yeah, well, that uh, remains to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whether we'll get the same same summer we had before. Yeah. Okay, and we were, we were talking earlier about your, um, you know, the school that you run in the Chamonix Valley now. Um, so you're still, you're still bass. Chamonix. Yeah, yeah, it's Bass, Bass Chamonix, right? but we, yeah, it's going fine. I mean, just uh, as we were speaking about since Brexit, it's uh, everything's just easier to be smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's mm-hmm. really just um, my wife Shona and myself now, and we've one other girl that comes out and does some stuff with us. But yeah, that's nice and nice and small, which in many ways is quite nice. Small is beautiful. Um, yeah, it's easy to fill our time. Yeah, 
Uh, so that, that doesn't take too much work. Uh, no. A little bit less admin and uh, more more teaching schemes. So. I think that's right, isn't it? You just you know you've got the time that you've got available and exactly the yeah. clients just like take it or leave it. Yeah. Book, mm-hmm. book it early it. or or miss out. Yeah, and especially at the busy times. Yeah, if you don't book early, you don't. Yeah. There's not much chance. <laughs> no, that's uh, for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, cool. So no, it's all all going all right. Sort of about whatever number of years I'm into it now. <laughs> it's more than 35 anyway. So. 35? Oh my goodness. Um, it was actually interesting coming over here to Valdelier because I, um, I used to come here back in season 90, 91, 92. I worked in Chatel okay. uh, for Ian and Jane McGarry. Um, and at that time... They're still there, aren't they? Uh, I think they, they still have a, a place there that, um, yeah. that they come out to. Oh, okay. Um, sadly, sadly, Ian's not too well now, so, oh, so yeah. he, he didn't come out. But um, yeah, we used to take the guests from the chalet there to the thermal baths here in Valdilier okay. once a week. So I remember the drives over from uh, Chateau. The thermal baths here are currently in a dispute between the commune and the owner. So ah, there's okay. some agreement about taxes and a new mayor right. just tore up that agreement that was a verbal agreement and so it's currently just dragging through the courts it's been going for like four years now it's a beautiful thing it's a really really nice thing that they've got down there and none of the residents have been able to use it for four years and there's something weird about it that the commune owned the water and the guy owns all the infrastructure Mm. so he owns the building and all that sort of stuff and it's really complex but it's um yeah it's uh it'd be nice if that reopened because it brought a lot of people to the valley yeah, that yeah, wouldn't absolutely. normally be here, um, especially in the summer months. Which uh, so it's a bit of a shame that that's not not happening. Okay, but you know that's how it is. Mm. Um, oh, cool! That's that's great. So it's, uh, it's all going well. How are your dogs? <laughs> the dogs are good. Yeah. yeah. How old are they pretty now? Pretty much fully grown. I think they're uh, four four years. Four years now. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, they'll be. Five in next November, so. But I remember when you got there, it doesn't seem like five years ago. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, two dogs is quite a handful, though. <laughs> I do, do you know, I've been, um, dogs come up frequently on this podcast, but I've, I've, uh, I've been thinking lately about getting a dog again, but I don't know where I'd find the time. Yeah, they take up a lot of time. I mean, during the winter, it's, you know, I'll be getting up at 5.30 in the morning, taking the dogs out. Yeah. You know, then give them their breakfast and take them for a proper walk before I go to work. So yeah, you know, yeah. by the time I get to work, I've been up three hours already. <laughs> it just like shortens the day even further. Yeah. So it's, yeah. The head torch is very useful in winter. Oh, I can imagine. And there's probably mornings <laughs> where you just don't want to go out. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, five in the morning. It's quite nice to get to the end of the season though. I don't have to get up quite so early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty adaptable dogs, but yeah. still. But yeah, no, I don't know where that time went. You know, I used to spend hours walking my dog like that. There's not, this might have to wait a little bit till you know, till my daughter grows up a little bit more and, and you know, uh, just have a bit more free time. Then I yeah. think I'll probably no, they definitely back into take time. Um, but you know, it's, it's good, it gets you out, it gets you exercising yeah. all the time because they true. need exercise. So. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Well, that's the bit I miss the most is the walking, yeah. It's the general walking in nature, is the bit that I really miss, and that's that's the thing I'd like to have back. Yeah, because you tend to find an excuse not to do it if you don't 
Yeah. If you don't have a dog, but with yeah. a dog, you've got to get out there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got to move, right? Yeah. You know, the dog's not going to accept you just sitting on the couch for a day. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, you have just come back. This was the. This is the reason I want to do this, and I'm going to yeah. take this podcast. And I'm going to put it up straight away because people will have seen all of the stuff that's come out of it. But you have just, give or take a week or two, come back from Finland for Interski, where you were part of the Irish delegation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's what this episode is going to be. It's like an Interski special, and I'm just going to yeah, upload sure. it with a bit of an intro and. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about was interski in general. Yeah. Um, I, and I wanted to split it into two things. So one, I wanted to talk to you about the technical side of it, so technical skiing side of it, mm-hmm. what you saw. Um, and the other part is I would like to teach, talk to you about the teaching side of it and what you learn there, mm-hmm. if anything. Yeah. Um, and a couple of other little points that I've jotted down here, but but as I understand it, the th- and, I, and I deliberately haven't watched too much into ski content because I kind of wanted to get it out of you before okay. I started looking at it. I've seen one like comparison video and yeah. I've seen a bunch of the usual suspects posting in it, a bunch of usual suspect like um, uh, pictures. But as I understand it, the theme shoot me down if I got this wrong, was something to do with guest experience? Yeah, the theme was the guest experience is everything. Um, which, strongly which, agree with. Yeah, which is, was a great theme, mm. uh, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I suppose I'm a little bit of an old hand of going to inter-ski congresses. How many have you been to now? <laughs> and this was my fifth. Wow. Um, mind you, I thought that was doing well, and then I met people who were on their tenth, or, you know, I mean, there since this... 60, so yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, five would seem quite small in that <laughs> sense. Well, but then five spans, you don't say every four years, it's like <laughs> a 20 year period. But know? then, equally, there was people that were there for the first time, yeah, okay. So, um, you know, you know, it was the right mixture. Um, I think, I think this Congress was different for me. Um, it was definitely the best one mm-hmm. by, by quite a long way, I'd say, but. You know, I've been reflecting on why that was the case, and I suppose the first reason was um, I had no real role or responsibility there. So although I was there with the Irish delegation, I was um, I was there as a delegate. I was there to attend the congress ah, okay. and to just you know absorb and learn, which oh, was nice. was a really nice uh, <laughs> yeah, position yeah. to be in. It was quite <laughs> quite a privilege to be in that position. Yeah, you know, there's other people in that position too, but it's. Uh, all the previous congresses I've been to have been sort of head of delegation or responsible for delivering, mm-hmm. you know, part of the team delivering on snow workshops or doing the lecture of snow. So you're always focused on your own delivery and making sure that's that's good. So you're yeah. kind of only half able to um, participate in everything else that's going on. Yeah. Um, so it was, this is great, just being able to go there for me. Um, I did actually end up with a, a sort of another role, which just kind of happened because I set up uh, the Facebook group in Tuskegee 2023. Well, it was actually 2019 when I set up the group. Yeah. And then I changed the name. And and then over time, that became the official group of 
Dean Ski Congress. Mm. It's, it's yeah. great. It's a good thing that you do, right? Yeah. So the, the organisers or the Interski Presidium asked me if it could be the official group, and I said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, that's that's good." Um, and that, you know, the idea behind that was, um, you know, nations, you know, they go to Interski and they're very good at sharing information back to their own membership, mm-hmm. but they're not that great at sharing it to the wider snow sports community. So we really needed a central place where everybody could, for sure you know, put everything and, and uh, share with, especially people around the world who weren't at the Congress, but but also it, it actually worked really well just with people who were at the Congress, just at the central mm. location. Um, and then set up the Instagram page, which I think two weeks before the Congress had 1,500 um, followers and it's now got 8,500. So that, that showed how popular Instagram was. <laughs> I'm missing out on Instagram. I'm not on it. And I have no idea about. It. I should really uh, do something. Yeah, about it. the Instagram story was just, you know, going mad with yeah. uh, everybody posting stuff. So, so that that was great. So that so I had that role. So, in a sense, I was also there for Interski as a whole, not for mm-hmm. any any one nation. Mm-hmm. So that that was kind of a different way to be there. Um, you're sort of representing the whole Congress. Um, you know, and supporting the whole Congress. So that, that was, uh, I think, another reason why I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and then I think there was a different energy about it from other Congresses because it was, you know, if you think about the four years we've just had since the last Congress sure. <laughs> and everything that's happened in the world with yeah. COVID being all locked up yeah. and, uh, you know, then war, yeah, it's like war a- in Ukraine, economic crisis, yeah. you know, everything that's happened, it's, um, there was just a real appetite for a, a meaningful face-to-face yeah, event. So, sure. so that in itself changed the, I think, the energy that was there and the vibe. It was just, just really good. And people were very open. They wanted to share and collaborate much mm-hmm. more. Um, so, that, so that was great. And then on top of that, the venue was, was just the best we've had by mm-hmm. far. I mean, it was, it was, one, it was lovely to go to temperatures that were cold it was in the minus 20s when we arrived <laughs> dream of minus 20s I know the, the snow was just to die for it was yeah. just a dream um, the resort's really modern um, only 15 kilometers from the airport you know. serious yeah it's just there's nothing else there except the airport and the resort you know and then just open wow. landscape how do you fly there do you have to get um, a connection yeah mostly people come via Helsinki okay um, I actually came here to France from from Paris, Charles de Gaulle, to direct to Kittela as the airport. Oh, wow. Um, and I think the only people on the plane were all going to Interski for me. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no, the, the resort's really good, very modern, mm. great lift system, floodlit, Wi-Fi everywhere, great mobile phone signal. Like know, the future. Yeah, with live feed on the demo slope, you know, onto YouTube. It was... Wow. Um, yeah, there was a, a an app for the Congress as well. So the organisation was just, you yeah. know, top class. You know, the the off-snow facilities were really good. <laughs> they they were really yeah. It's quite a compact resort as well. It's a World Cup resort, you know. So yeah, yeah, of course. The, yeah, the World Cup slalom there. And so it's you know it's a really well-run resort. But the event organisation was just brilliant. So I think for all of those reasons, it was just you know yeah a, a great congress and it's it's not taking away anything from previous ones they were all good in their own way 
Um, but I think this was just a step up. And I don't think that's just my opinion. I think a lot of people I've spoken to just, you know, really felt that. So it was, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, that's, it sounds like a far cry. Is that like the prototype for the future of skiing or future ski resorts might yeah, look like? It would be good, I think. It's certainly, you know, and certainly for future congresses and events like that, you know, yeah. you just need that. Yeah. Infrastructure that allows everything to work seamlessly from on yeah, slope to off slope. Yeah, you need the off slope stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, the great yeah. lecture facilities and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's interesting because the things here are very slow to change. Yeah, and um, you know some of the stuff you were talking about there. Yeah, that could be really, you know, that would really enhance the client experience, wouldn't it? In the modern world, assuming people aren't coming to kind of get away from a connected. Yeah. Um, thing uh well uh, society in that way but here things are extremely slow to change so they've only just by like Morjan for example they're replacing a lift that's been there since like 1983 or something mm. and, and that that you know it's a big thing they've been talking about like 10 a, years you know? it's the same over our side you know and yeah some of the resorts are just very slow like Lesouche is a great resort but the lifts are so slow mm. you know and they're just don't seem to put the same investment into some resorts as others. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. They certainly had that in this region here. They, they started on this side, and all the lift infrastructure in Champry pretty much is all decent now. And they're gradually working their way across. Mm. But you go over to the French side, they've invested so much money over there Yeah, that, that it's, it's pretty... It's but it just amazing. seems to vary from one resort to another, and it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does impact, you know, as was the theme for the congress, the guest experience. You know, and that's you know, yeah, that's so important, and I think that's why this interski as well was such a good one. It's because the experience that we had was so good mm. in every way. Yeah, and I, you know, I reflected. I, I was doing these. Um, I just started at the start of the congress, doing a kind of walk and talk pre-breakfast and videoing it and posting mm-hmm. it up on. Facebook and Instagram, and then suddenly people seem to think this is a good idea. So I did it every day. Okay. And they got, you know, ridiculously popular. <laughs> people were stopping me that I'd never met before and saying, oh, you're the person on Instagram. <laughs> you're, uh... So it was quite it was quite funny. And then, um, you know, just getting lots of comments from people saying how much they, you know, not just people who are at the Congress, but people from all around, even Julian, yeah. um, commenting on how good the uh, coverage yeah, was for, for the Congress. <laughs> so, that, so that was quite, it was quite nice to, to get that and to know that, you know, people were appreciating it. Yeah, yeah. But I think I sort of reflected while doing that, you know, that, you know, the experience was what was everything of being there. And if, even though we shared it all around the world, I still couldn't, you know, make up for being there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it just made me think. Well, that's what we, as snow sport instructors, ski instructors, go out every day, and we make people's experience. Yeah. So we're, we're we have a, you know, we're in a very privileged position that we can go and do that. Mm. You know, all the time, and we're, we're the ones that can make that experience so good for people. Absolutely. Um, and I think that was a kind of, and I, I sort of felt that was a vibe that was coming out of the congress this year. So. Well, let's let's talk about that while we're on it because I don't want to get into technical because we talk about technical too much. But the, from a teaching point of view, what or guest experience point of view, what was there like a commonality between the nations, or were some more focused on it than others? Like, what what, what did you? I think it was. It, it's not surprising, you know. Certain nations are further down the road when it comes to 
understanding, teaching methodology, learning, psychology of learning, you know, mm -hmm. just all of that stuff that goes into the, the teaching side. Um, so there was no surprise in the sense of which countries were leading the way. Mm -hmm. um, but I did sort of make it my business to attend more stuff that was, you know, teaching orientated than technical in terms Good. of the yeah, donations yeah. that I, I spent time with. Um, and I'm actually bringing out a, an e-book in the next two weeks, which will be a sort of 15,000-word report on the Congress. Cool. So I suppose by the time this podcast goes out, that will probably be uh, published. So. Yeah, we could if you send me that once you've done with it, I'll yeah. link it so and means uh, people can go and People it. can download it onto whatever e-book platform they're on. Perfect. Um, so that, that will go into more detail. of the There'll be eight countries featured, which are the eight countries that I was either out there on snow workshops or off snow lectures. Yeah. Um, it's only eight countries. I mean, there was over 30 countries there. So, you, can't, you can't do more but, than that. <laughs> yeah, you, you just can't properly do much more than that and actually spend time and understand what that country's delivering mm. and, you know, how they're training their instructors. So so what was what was interesting then from, from the ones that you did see of those eight what yeah, were I guess they talking about with regards to guests. I mean, the, I suppose I start with one of the obvious ones. The Americans were, were kind of leading the way with some stuff. They were so they they were they're supposed they, to be the best. Yeah, their their whole thing is based around the learning connection, as they call it. So, and part of that is is um, people skills. Mm -hmm. So they actually look at how you can train, observe, assess people skills as part of their certification pathway. Okay. So. So the workshop they ran on snow was, was brilliant and it was actually quite a challenging day because it was when the weather did come in a bit and uh, so it, was, it was cold and windy but uh, yeah they just it was a great great workshop just looking at how how our you know behaviors can sort of impact our guests without just sometimes knowing and just looking at how how we can in a sense separate our behaviors from and the impact they have from our personality so as they train mm -hmm. people instructors aren't sort of taking it personally yeah. seeing their behaviors as something a skill they can simply train and get better at for sure and, and i think that that was quite interesting just how they were doing that so they they did some kind of acting and role play and they set up a group um with, from quite a large uh, workshop they took a small group and set up a um, an international demo team so it was just mixed people and, mm -hmm. uh, and then one of the guys who was delivering it was the the coach of the team so he was initially uh, creating what would be quite negative <laughs> behaviors <laughs> okay and, uh, and the rest of us were going around and observing this and discussing it with the, with the other guy that was delivering it uh, josh mm -hmm. so it, it was just very well done and then they obviously changed that but it, i think the most interesting thing we talk, talk about in my report is that when he then changed to creating positive behaviors and outcomes even though everybody knew he'd been acting and and that was all part of it it was still really difficult for him to build trust with the people oh because, because he'd been way, previously yeah, negative. even though yeah. everybody knew oh well he's just acting but yeah. it, it still had a real impact on people How about that? um so the yeah it was it was just a very good workshop just really illustrated how you know they they don't just do the the teaching and the technical but they also do the people skills so um, yeah so that, that was a good one there's um, um there's a lot in that and there's certainly a lot in positivity i think i don't know whether i mentioned it on a previous podcast but lately i've been doing a little thing 
did mention it. So sorry, listener, if you've heard this before, but the the there's a every night now before I go to bed, a little journal just like this, and I write down all the positive things that have happened to me during that day. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly powerful to the point where I can't bear negativity these days. I see it and mm-hmm. I kind of actively avoid it or try to avoid it because it's 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 toxic yeah to me um and i'm always trying to find you know the where is the positive in all these situations even if something bad is happening to you something will come out of it that is a that, that is a positive in some way or another yeah um i find that incredibly useful and it's <laughs> it's an important thing to, to to have on the on the mountain i think as well you know, people are there for a, a good time. Once, well, assuming, of course, we've established what yeah. it is that they want out of the lesson. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I try to tell my guys here that they are, and I try to think of it in that we are their host while they're here in our valley for that moment of time. And it's up to us to introduce them to the place that we live and show them all the good things about it and kind of enhance their experience, you know. That is part of it. Of course, you're going to give them some technical information if they want it mm. in order to ski better. But some people don't want that. Some people yeah. just want to look around and know what the names of the mountains are and stuff. I think that came out of the Congress was that there was a kind of awakening that there's so much more to the sport than just the technical. Mm. Um, and probably more than in previous Congresses that I've been to. You know, it, was, it was like you're saying, you know, we're. I think that's why the word guest is quite good is yeah they they are our learners mm-hmm. but they're also our guests because we're looking after them for the time yeah they're with us and and it is the whole experience it is about as you say taking in the the environment that they're in because yeah. it's an amazing environment to be in and you know enjoying a coffee stop you know whatever it is that they want yeah for sure um, you know and, and it's not just you sure most people do want to get better at the sport, but it's, yeah. it's everything else that goes with it. I think it is. And there's only so much that you can achieve in a week, right, in terms of technically getting better mm. or, you know, for the time that they're here. It's a social interaction as well. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, it's, yeah. So, so trying yeah. to build a relationship with people, right, and, and touch their lives in some way. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. I recruit for that. I'm, yeah. Again, I'm repeating myself, but the... You know, I've just gone through a series of interviews now because we're looking for some people in various places. And, and the, you know, it's been really interesting going, you know, seeing people's CVs on paper and going, wow, that looks like an impressive person. But then when it comes to the moment you actually speak to them, they're like, wow, okay, that does not match that bit of paper at all. You know, that, that yeah. person hasn't got, it's hard to put your finger on what it is, but it, I, you know, it. You know, that person is not the ski instructor that we're looking for. You know, it hasn't hasn't got that that magic. And when we just recruited a guy who I've never never been on a call where someone made us laugh so much, had so much fun within ten seconds. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's. I'm thinking to myself that that's a guy that I'd want to go and have mm. a ski lesson with. Because yeah. I'd be laughing, he'd be showing me stuff, and I'd be, be brilliant. And I'm really looking forward to that guy joining yeah, us. Yeah, there has, sure. has to be a real passion, not just for the sport, but just for being with other people. Yeah, yeah. And wanting for to sure. spend that time with them and 
Yeah, enjoy that company as well. So. Absolutely, skiing yeah. attracts its fair share of oddballs, you know, and that's that's. You often, I often kind of look at people and say, "Why are you in this?" Because you don't really seem like a people person, kind of thing. You know, I'm a bit of an introvert. It's a bit of an act when I go go with people, but I I am. I'm genuinely trying to welcome them to to, to what I yeah, but my I, home. It was quite interesting, jo- Joshua, who was the main person running this American workshop. You know, he he stressed he he himself would consider himself an introvert, mm. but you can still learn. Yeah. To to. You, you can know, yeah. To it's a skill that, and yes. you know really interact really well with people on that. And that he was himself brilliant. Yeah. Um, so on on that note, how did they talk about? Um, how do they talk about being able to learn the skills that you need to to, to be that person? I, I think it comes back to what I said. It, it it's understanding that it is a skill, mm-hmm. and it's not you. So you're not if you're a certain type of personality, you're not stuck with that. Yeah, you can learn these skills. So so yeah, just you know, obviously, I think you would engage in some of these kind of role play activities as part of the training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to help that, but it's also have been, you know, observed and to realize the impact of your behaviors on on the people that you're with. Yeah. Once you start to realize that, and somebody else is able to tell you that and say, "Well, actually, if you did this, this might get a better result." Mm-hmm. And so then people are more easily able to take that information on board and say, "Well, okay, so I just need to change what I my behavior to get a better result." Mm. It's not a case of, you know. Oh, I'm that personality, so I can't deal with this. Yeah, I think it's that understanding will help people to to improve um, mm. their people skills. As it, were, so. it is a tough skill to learn. Um, sorry, it's a tough thing to execute. Say you've only got one person for a two-hour lesson. Mm. Say in that lesson, you've not only got to get to know them, kind of build some sort of rapport. And teach them something, you know, be a good host, that kind of stuff. It's not very long to be able to do all of that kind no. of thing. Yeah. Getting to know people quickly is is a skill in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And just just um, yeah, just having a almost a structure to go through. I mean, again, I went to the Australian session, and their their structure was was really very simple. You know, mm-hmm. and in some ways, you look at it and think, oh, this is just stuff that I've seen before mm-hmm. but sometimes those simple structures are still so useful especially for new instructors coming in you know they just well go through these steps and if you cover all these steps you're probably going to hit most of the bases <laughs> and, and that that was kind of the ethos so there behind that they had a, a sort of really detailed customer care um, stuff that they've developed okay. which was quite in depth um, you know and I need to even go back and read it again so they put a lot of time into that mm-hmm. um, but on the face of it it was really quite simple it was just things like edict like explanation demonstration imitation mm-hmm. but packaged into the whole lesson structure and then looking at what we would know as visual and auditory and kinesthetic you know yeah, so, yeah. so as long as you're going through all these steps it was they were generally going to cater for most learner types yeah um, but yeah the, those I think when you come into the business, you need a structure. You just need something to follow. Yeah. Which means you can do that to our lesson and say, well, at least if I go through a proper introduction, make sure I'm actually engaging in two-way communication with the the guest and getting them to tell me stuff, then 
Yeah, so I remember seeing something a long time ago. It wasn't anything to do with skiing, but it was about building connection with someone quickly. And it was something to do with, it was like location, occasion. And the other one was like shared memories or something. Mm, okay. So if I was going to do that, I mean, or, or yeah, location. And the other one that, I, that I'm lucky that I have is that I'm always endlessly fascinated by what people do for a living. I met some amazing people this winter, mm. um, and one of them, I mean, one of them was like a speech therapist yeah. in Ireland who'd been through three years of COVID with masks and stuff, trying yeah. to do speech yeah. therapy. Mm-hmm. That was just that was mind blowing. She yeah. said like the, the the problems that she's seeing now to do with like mums having masks and stuff for the kids, and so the, the speech wasn't developing properly because yeah. the kids watch the mouth a lot when they're really young. Um, and anyway, no location occasion. So, so you know, you might as you're going up on the lift, you're talking about why you're here, what's going on, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, what brought you to the region, that, that sort of thing. Then you get a whole story that comes back from that, and you can spin off in all sorts of different directions. Listener, this is part of the new the new office. Is that there is now a train <laughs> arriving outside. Um, so the the building is in in in, in the train station essentially, which I, I don't know, I find kind of cool. You it, might hear some train a, noise. It's actually quite nice to have that. It's all right, isn't it? Especially nice, efficient Swiss train coming past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, how long the train's going to sit there? It'll, it's it'll it's probably leave. On time, it will leave. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and the other one was, uh, what's this, occasion? Occasion. So you might be you might be meeting someone at, I don't know, like a mindfulness uh, conference. Mm. So that's like another, you know, why are you here? How did you get here? What are you here for? That kind of thing. You can spin off in all sorts of directions. And the other one that creates apparently a really powerful bond of people is like shared memories or things that you have in common. Yeah. Which you kind of comes out in some of these other parts of conversation. So it might be like, where are you from? Oh, I, you know, you might be from Dublin or whatever. Okay, I went to yeah. Dublin once, I went here, and you know, then you sort of spin off in all sorts of different directions. Or you know, why are you here? What are you doing with that kind of thing? And then these things create and very quickly create quite a powerful bond I've found with people. Yeah. Especially if you are present and interested in the person that's in front exactly. of you. Exactly. Yeah. And that requires a certain clarity of mind. You can't it's very difficult to do the hangover and it's very difficult to do yeah. if your mind's not on the job and you're thinking about something else. Yeah, you you have you know, to have a genuine interest absolutely. in what people yeah. are telling you and otherwise you're in the wrong job yeah and that and that's why you know those first lift rides with your yeah. with your your guests are so important because that's where you establish quickly Absolutely. that yeah. that kind of bond and, and get them comfortable mm-hmm. um, so yeah that that's so important but there is quite yeah. a modern phenomenon so I wonder if the art of having conversation is also the, the amount that we message each use social media and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. to, to communicate with each other these days the art of sitting here and having a conversation and being able to continue it and being able to go backwards and forwards is also, you know, you occasionally meet people that are really, you know, the conversation feels really one-sided, you know, you're asking them stuff and you don't know if they're having a good time or not. Yeah. You know, we've all skied with that person, I mm, think. Yeah, At some point, you're just like, well, this is, this is hard work. 
but sometimes that's for other reasons because they're actually quite nervous or nervous. You know, there's well, other, you other know things going, going on. Life, right? Exactly, you yeah. don't know. So, <laughs> yeah. so you can assume too too easily that somebody is something because you just don't know what's going on behind no, that. It's so, true. It's yeah, true. It's, it's, and, you know, it might be stuff they're not going to tell you. So exactly, you know, yeah, you just got to do your best, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so, Australians and Americans. Yeah, they they were they were two, and just on the Australian one, I think they sort of support that idea of, you know, people are coming a long distance into the Australian ski areas yeah, to sure. ski, so they're having to travel a long way, so that they were really um, adamant that you've had to make a quick impact yeah, <laughs> and to make that experience go over, you know, above and beyond to create that guest experience because otherwise yeah. you, you just lose them and, and they've traveled such such a distance to get there. A lot of, a lot of people don't realize how faffy it is to get yeah just to get there in front of you exactly I've said yeah. this so many times you know like it's a big effort to get show up for a ski lesson and that that was part of it for me I was looking at the fact that there it goes <laughs> yeah yeah I was looking at why certain nations had adopted certain things into their teaching you know and I suppose the Australians had created this structure which was based around what they do in Australia so yeah so you know, certain countries are, are creating a model that works for them in their environment. Other yep. other countries are probably, and I suppose I use Ireland as an example. You know, we we would say we're just creating instructors to export all around the world because there isn't really much skiing going on in Ireland, cool, yeah. <laughs> except a dry slope. So you know, you're actually having to create quite adaptable, versatile instructors who can work in different mm. different places with different cultures. Yeah. Um, whereas some of the nations are. More focus on their own country because, you know, Canada, America—they're they're big places. Yeah. You know, so most of their structure is based around where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they have members outside of that, but the vast majority are working in their own countries. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that yeah, Australians as I said the the Americans. Interesting, actually, the one of the workshops I really enjoyed as well was Germany, okay. which was a mindfulness. Uh, workshop for, for skiing, which is guys. obviously something that, you know, not surprising, the title. Did you know that peak. before you showed up? Yeah, no, again, this is part of the organization mm-hmm. of it. It was all, all of the workshops uh, and lectures were, were on the app. So before the Congress, we booked onto everything. We booked our entire week, which, which we'd never done before. It was yeah. always, um, always previously to that. It was just like a bun fight, everybody trying to get to whatever mm-hmm. session, but everybody booked onto their sessions. Wow. Um, you know, so so it was really good from that point of view, and that's when you're looking at the program, thinking, "Oh my God, I yeah, want to watch this, go to this. How, yeah, how am I yeah, going to yeah. go? Am I going to pick the things I want?" So that one obviously piqued my interest. Um, and again, it was it was very popular workshop. It was it was well attended. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just you know the whole. It's not nothing new in a sense. It was creating much more awareness of our of our body, and you know. And, and being really tuned into it and then looking at sort of the whole body, the, I suppose the inner and out experience combined, you know, so, so it's more holistic. Okay. Um, it was also going through certain activities where we had to be more non-judgmental, which is part of being, you know, mindfulness, which <laughs> yeah, is yeah. quite difficult for, you know, ski instructors. <laughs> you have to do that at some point, don't you, because you're... Yeah. I often say that to the, to the ladies that I teach sometimes. And it's like, I'm not judging you, I'm just having a look. 
but not being judgment, judging yourself and just being open to what's happening. Okay. Uh, well, you in know, your lesson, you mean? Well, just in, in your or skiing. So, so the exercises we were doing were getting us, you know, just to, to ski and notice certain parts of our body. Oh, okay. Or try and split yeah. our attention between an aspect of our body and our breathing at the same time. And just how, how did it feel? How, but without sort of analyzing and saying, does it feel good? Does it feel bad? Just, just becoming more attuned to what it was. The analysis drives me nuts sometimes. Yeah, so sometimes we're too quick to analyze rather yeah. than just experience. And, and <laughs> my, I think that was a lot of it. <laughs> my experience of going around the mountain is that was a crap turn. That was a rubbish Well, exactly. Turn. That was a rubbish yeah. one. Foot's in the wrong place. Yeah. Hands in the wrong place. Well, and that's that's often how it is, isn't it? So, so I yeah. think to, to really get to be more mindful in your learning, you have to be a bit more open to what's happening and just to accept it. Well, you know, there is a time when you have to work that through, but it's it's just going through that process of just That's you know true. awareness. <laughs> That's very true. And it's, allow your attention yeah. to just focus on on one or two things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that that was that was good, and it was different as well. Um, so so that was nice. Um, you know, the I went to Denmark as well. Now the the Onsen workshop was a technical workshop, which was which was great because mm-hmm. Denmark were probably one of the standout teams. Um, yeah, Good-looking uh, bunch of skiers, those guys. Very, very well trained. They've been trained by um, an Austrian guy, Patrick, and I'll say his surname wrong, it's Bass or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah to get him on this. Re- yeah. really well trained, so they, you know, look look great. But the, their off um, snow lecture was, was on cooperative learning. So, you know, that, again, it sounded interesting, so yeah. I went to that, and it was, uh, it was a very interactive session, not surprisingly, yeah, we yeah. weren't just sitting in the audience <laughs> listening. Um, but it, I think what was interesting about that was, you know, I've studied lots of sort of learning models and mm. teaching models, and this was just one I hadn't really looked at before, so it was quite nice think, to go t- to something and think, oh, I'm going to actually have to go and read up about this. <laughs> and what, what, what is, and what, I mean, what, how would you well, describe it's, it's, it? Actually, it's, it's group work, which we might do, but it's very structured group work. Okay. You know, so, so you're, and you're trying to do it in such a way that everybody has equal time on task, which, you know, which is quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it obviously crosses over with things I'm more familiar with, like teaching styles that you'd use you know, more discovery or... Mm-hmm. Uh, type styles where you could be operating in groups, problem solving. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's it's that kind of thing. I suppose that it got me thinking. Then the, there's pluses and minuses too, because whenever you do group work, it takes time. Yes. Sometimes we don't have time in a lesson to do that. So it's it's a good thing, and it's great to see that Denmark were implementing that into their system. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you just did that type of approach, it's not going to work all the time. No. And some sometimes from a purely time efficiency point of view, this kind of more explain, demonstrate, yeah, you know, direct method sometimes is is easier. Yeah, people but aren't used to learning. In in sometimes you find another way. Exactly, you give the group and you give them a task, and you go, and also you have to give away quite a bunch of control, right? So you sort of set them yeah. the task. And you have to be quite away. skillful as a teacher yeah. to deliver that. So you need to be well trained. So it's it's mm-hmm. not just so I think it's great, but I think a lot of people will still just stick to the more time-efficient methods, yeah. unfortunately. Yes, absolutely. But it's good to see that some of the nations are trying to be more 
uh, open to different ways of, of delivering sessions. Yeah, and Very, training yeah. their instructors to be able to do that, not just Absolutely. you know that, that's the whole point because this is all looking at how how different nations train their instructors. So that so that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Canadians were also you know just exceptionally good across the board. The you know the huge team there. Do they have a they have a similar culture, don't they, towards sort of client? Yeah, and their their whole teaching thing is called the collaborative approach. You know, so they're, they're very much about building a partnership between the learner and the, and the teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and they very much want to use that word learner. Mm. So, it, yes, it was more focused, I suppose, on on the learner getting better. Mm-hmm. But in a very, trying to make it as objective as possible, as measurable as possible. Mm. So that it took out the sort of woolly subjectiveness that you would get. Yeah. So setting very clear tasks. So... They, they were very strong on when they trained their instructors. It, if you can make the tasks objective enough and be clear on the outcomes, then the candidates coming through will not continually be looking. I'm like, is that at the level? Is that at the level? Yeah. You know, which is... Yeah, yeah. Which they is, become dependent on the trainer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, they're, so they're very much about that. So that, that was quite interesting. And um, It's nice, isn't it, when you give clients that... Uh, from a client point of view, you know, you can tell them like this is this and this is how you know if you're yeah. doing it right. And then and they can just take that away. Yeah, and it, you can it say links, go away with that and come back in a month. Link brilliantly with their skills framework, you know, mm. the skills framework was just very much as we do, starting from the ground up. How's mm-hmm. the ski interacting with the snow? Mm. How is the ski being steered on the snow? And then looking at body movements and, mm. and accepting their infant body movements we can make but it's what's happening on the snow that's important yeah um, so yeah that that was good it, it was uh, you know another nice thing about the workshops was uh, maybe more for me this year because I got to know so many people yeah. through the social media stuff but also through previous <laughs> congresses viral, yeah so it was, <laughs> so it, was very, it was great to actually ski with these people mm. um, and a lot of the workshops we had time to partner up for certain ones like the German one we you know, three different partners through that workshop and I actually got to ski with them and ride the lift with them. So you got to spend time talking to them, mm. you know, and, and for some people, it was people I'd not skied with before um, and didn't, but knew. Yeah. Uh, mainly through social media. Others, was people I'd known and just, we never got the chance to ski together. So, you know, it was, it, that was nice. Um, Are the sessions that are on snow linked to the seminars in the evening? Some of them are. Off snow. Um, yeah, and, and yes, some are definitely linked. Um, mm. and so you get the, the on-snow demo. Yeah, and it, it would be, yeah, in an ideal world, I would have done that in mm. every case. You know, like, got so much the, the Hungarian one was the one where I went to their lecture off snow, but mm. didn't get to do their on-snow. And I actually say in my report, it was actually quite sad that I didn't get to do the, mm. the on-snow, but I just I couldn't fit it in. No, no. Um, but, but they took a different tack as well. They, they were looking at... Um, how do we ensure that our our skiers um, are lifelong skiers and how can we make sure they don't get injured? So they were looking at the whole physical dry land preparation in the gym okay. to make sure that the movement patterns were, you know, correct mm. physiologically and sort of biomechanically. Wow. So so it's really and they've they've created a whole series of eight videos on YouTube that, that go through all of this. Really? Um, so it's incredible to see the amount of time that some nations have put into it yeah and that they use interski as 
as a kind of part of their cycle of development, you know, so their research and development and, and updating their what they do and how they train instructors mm-hmm. and, and Interski is just the, where they show it all. Okay, I understand. Um, but Interski is a really important part of that. So, so they're learning from others, yes, but they're actually then, well, this mm. is what we've been working on. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they've done a great, great amount of work on that. So that, that also was different because it wasn't just technical or wasn't teaching as such, but it, mm. it, was, it was definitely, you know, we, we, if we're going to keep our guests having a great experience, we've got to keep them in the sport. <laughs> and one way to keep them in the sport is they don't get injured. That is one way. <laughs> you know, is, is that they actually enjoy it and, you know, physically can manage it till mm. later in life. So, so yeah, that, that was good as well. So The injuries thing, by the way, scares me to death. We had a group came here at the end of the year from Kenya. First time they've been back since... They used to come regularly uh, pre, pre-COVID and this first year they've been back. But I'd forgotten the tension that comes with the Thursday and the Friday. Where you're like... Nobody injure any kids, right? Because mm. I'm going to have to take them down to the hospital and then they're going to have to get on a plane like 16 hours back to Nairobi. You know, like we don't want any, no injuries on the, yeah. on the faculty. <laughs> then there just isn't time. But not only that, like you just don't want to do it anyway. But the, uh, it, was, it, was, oh, it was tense. Really yeah, tense. Well, of course, we can never cater for the kind of other skiers collision type no no I I suppose the Hungarian thing is more about making sure at least that our movement patterns are it's interesting are done properly and transfer from the gym to snow and And do do they say then that they think that decent physical preparation is sort of preventative essentially yeah learning to move correctly (laughs) yeah so so that's that's something that we could give right to every guest that we have Mm, you should attach it to their invoice or their booking confirmation somehow you said look, yeah. you're interested in preparing yeah and, the, and so i think that the latter four of those eight videos you know because i've watched them all now mm. um are just very much the off slope physical prep yeah and moving correctly and so yes yeah, it's really well done i'm gonna um, steal that <laughs> but yeah i mean it, it that's another thing about the report okay i've only covered eight countries but yeah I, you know the report has a lot of my sort of top takeaways from the event, but it's also got all the links to all the stuff that the nations have. So, you know, it'll it'll kind of pull it all together in one place so you can go on and actually... You're doing, you're doing God's work. <laughs> and go and look, look at uh, all this stuff and spend hours on it if you want to. <laughs> That's great. That's really cool. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was um, Hungary, Australia, uh, Germany... Canada, yes, USA, yeah. So that they were, they were the kind of ones I focused more on. There, mm-hmm. oh, and Denmark was a and Denmark, six. Yeah, yeah. So, I think the other two that I went to was Argentina and Switzerland. Okay. And that was more technical stuff, but it was still interesting to go to the technical workshops. Um, what were the Swiss talking about? I think. I think What's their main their main message was they were trying to to simplify the language they used and simplify the connection from snowplow turning to high-end carving and and so that it didn't confuse people and i'm sort of in two minds as to how that came out i mean first in their textbook you would know first things first (laughs) that the swiss scheme was amazing and their their yeah. demos on the hill really took it to a different level to everybody else you know when they came down on their second show run and you know, 
fabulous formation, and the entire team go out over the jump. <laughs> and then they land side by side and carry on the formation. <laughs> and you just think, okay, yeah, that's really, you know, whereas other teams, it was just the odd person going over the jump. You know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, they were phenomenal skiers. Mm. And I, but I think that, again, as you see in my report, there's, there's stuff in their phraseology, and sometimes it's a translation to English as well, which just mm-hmm. doesn't kind of explain it well enough. Yeah. You know, it's like the old face downhill type thing, and yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and but it's not actually that accurate in certain mm-hmm. situations. So you know, I won't go into the detail there. You can read it in the report, but it, so there was there was a positive side to the trying to simplify it and a potential negative side. Mm-hmm. But technically, generally, what they were saying was great. Yeah, as, as you would expect, and and amazing, uh, amazing demonstrations, amazing skiing. You know. And it was fun to go to those workshops as well because I think that Swiss one particularly, I got to spend time with uh, Jamie Jack who delivered the Canadian session. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd not met him before, but it was he, he was a really interesting guy. So much knowledge runs the whole of uh, Ontario and Canada. You know, He's got more people running courses than we have members in, <laughs> in associations. You know, so. It's a big country. So, yeah, um, but yeah, really good. And he's actually from Scotland. Yeah. Is it the next train. That's the next train. So I'm going to Chambéry. Yeah. It's quite so, romantic in a way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. So in that Swiss workshop, I got to spend more time with him and mm-hmm. chat further to him about the Canadian system in general. Mm. But we were also chatting about the Swiss workshop. And then you know, towards the end of that one, I got to ski, ski behind him and uh, Laszlo, who was delivering the the, the Swiss. Mm-hmm. workshop you know and so it was just quite fun to at least even attempt to <laughs> ski with the two of them <laughs> one of my but, uh, yeah yeah one of my experiences on i think was going through the swiss formation one of the, the, the guy the guy was on the demo team he was like yeah dave just follow me I'm like glad he's not looking back too much because i'm not yeah following exactly very well yeah <laughs> <laughs> a different world those guys yeah yeah but i quite like the swiss Style in many ways, it's quite free, but accurate. They they do some seem to somehow combine freedom with accuracy, and <laughs> they almost yes. sound yeah. uh, opposites. Um, whereas the Argentinian one, there again was was really good, um, great delivery. Uh, we had a really fun workshop. We had some fresh snow in that as well, so mm. we had to play a little bit in that. But it was uh, they're kind of more more mid-stance if we want to go back to old old mm-hmm. um, language, you know, the, so very low in the crossover. Yeah. Or yeah. cross-under, as it would be, um, in the transition. So, yeah, it was, it was just, there was nothing new in any of the technical, mm-hmm. but it was just what each nation was focusing on. Um, mm. You know, so, so in a sense, you were asking, you know, we didn't want to spend too much time with the tech. Well, there wasn't, I didn't come away knowing anything new technically. But I got more of an idea what some countries were focusing on. Let's let's since you mentioned it, let's let's talk about it um, because I only saw this year. I saw in the um, sort of the comparison videos, mm. and I think if you were to go shut this door for a second because I think the schools are coming out now. The I think in the comparison video I saw, I didn't see much. If you've got a really trained eye, you can see it. But I didn't see that much in terms of national style variations, apart from maybe the Swiss. 
Yeah, I th- I, no, I think you're absolutely right. It, it, you know, and I've watched those with interest, and I was there. You mm. know, and, and watching all of the the teams performing, but it, watching those comparison videos is great because that that's always organised sort of just within the nations ad themselves. Hoc. It's yeah. ad hoc, and it, but it, it was great. It's great that they spend the time doing that. Mm. Um, I think what was for me stood out was within different nations there were standout skiers. Yes, who were just amazing. There was mm. a, um, Catherine, I think her name is from Denmark, amazing skier. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the chap from San Marino was mm. yeah, yeah. was so, yeah. was yeah. brilliant. But there's uh, Josh Duncan Smith from New Zealand. Uh, you know, I could name. Mm. A, a number of them that they were standout performers mm-hmm. who were just amazing to watch, and in a sense, that almost highlighted what you're saying. There is no necessarily recognizable national style, no. And I, I think that's a good thing. I know that the likes of Phil Smith would would like that. He put a comment on on there, you know, that he he just wants to see individuality mm. and his expression of skill rather than there being a national style. Yes. Um, I think there is a bit in the Swiss because they do in a very favor way. Yeah. high-end carved performances. Mm. And so there, there is a bit of a definite style to how they ski. Mm. But even within that, you can still see some standout performances. You know, when, yeah. when somebody appears for the long turns over the hill and c- comes in at speed and just jump and then just lands and does it, that would have been killy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know, there, there are obviously standout performances there as well, where yeah. they're just some some of the performers were on a different level. Yeah. But that's fun to watch. That's fun to see how people do that. There's a couple of the Americans as well, um, mm. brothers actually, who are just incredible. You know, I was actually watched um, watched one of them come down the the World Cup slalom beast. You know, and I was just just looked at. It. I just skied down it myself. So I just looked at him ski down it. You know, just couldn't believe it. it was just, just the, the transitions were just poetry and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just incredible angles, but just built beautifully, smoothly. Um, so that that was fun to to see that. But I think you're right. I'm not, I don't think there's such a, a national style. There, there is definitely a move away from form for a lot of nations and more towards function and skill. And, and that's got to be a good thing. I wonder how much of that is due to the aforementioned connected world right like if you have the if you were a, a swiss skier in the 1980s say mm-hmm. the only reference points you'd have would be the swiss skiers around you and the guys who you go and educate with yeah you don't you might all right you might pick up some vhs videos of the austrian guys no i think i think you're absolutely right yeah but these days you can you can watch whoever you want more or less and you can say, well, actually, that guy over there, that's a guy that I'd like to ski like. I can see why he's doing that and what he's doing there. I don't have to necessarily ski like that. There is something in the Swiss DNA that means they all do tend to ski the same a little bit. And it's very unique here. Like the, the high yeah, skiers, it, they, they have a very specific... And I've been on courses and I've asked them, Yeah, you know, like how they get that big sort of incline and then... Last minute, boom, you know, and the arms are very unique, but they seem to just copy each other with that. But the the rest of it, the rest of it, I think I noticed 
on the videos and then it got me off on to thinking another thing was that if everyone is skiing on an equivalent more or less equivalent 165 slalom ski and in a say 130 you know race boot there's only really these days so many shapes that you can make given that equipment i suppose that there is but, using. but you'll always you're always going to see performers that just have an extra bit of oh for sure feel yeah. and yeah skill for and, sure and just have that yeah that a way to express it and and, and i think that's you know, and that, that's what's so interesting. <laughs> within nations, yeah. Yeah, within nations. No, as I say, standout performers yeah, from yeah. nations. You know, going back to what you said about technology, I think that changed for me in 2015 mm. when Paul Lorenz from Australia, who's now the, the you know, he's running the APSI, mm -hmm. um, but he set up projected productions with Riley McGlashan. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that whole thing where they started to bring in skiers who, who they'd met in Argentina, mm. or, or maybe they'd met them elsewhere, but they were certainly in Argentina, and they started to make those videos, mm. which were basically people, an Austrian, a, a Swiss, uh, you know, there were people from, as you say, different yeah. parts of the world, and old, you know, high-end performers, yeah. all coming together to, to make a video. And, and that's that was, I think, where we really started to see that change, mm. which means we probably have less of a, you know, a country style. Yeah, that that's definitely that was my impression of the the, the videos, the limited number of videos that I've seen. So okay, and you might not have seen the one if you you haven't watched the money. They did yeah. they did a, a third one. There's there's three of those that they did. The first is short terms, then they've long terms of carving, and then there's a mixed nation synchro. I haven't seen that, and, and that, that's really interesting too. as well. Just watching everybody just playing together. Yeah, and and that's just so much so nice just to see you know yeah. them all just getting in there and, and mixing it up together it's cool <clears throat> so yeah i think i think yeah it's definitely but it, it kind of does link back to the teaching stuff that we're talking about because if if we're moving more towards a, a skill-based system in more countries which seems to be the case yeah yeah i wouldn't say everywhere but you know it, it, we're getting there mm -hmm. and it's definitely moving in the right direction so it's it's more function over form then then that means the teaching is different to achieve that yeah yeah no it, <laughs> it, has, to be, right? it has to be you know we're, yeah. not, we're not sort of starting from the top and working down we're starting from moving from the ground up and, and looking how yeah the equipment works and how to make it you know the skis in this case steer but is the body type similar for a lot of the skiers that are there? In terms say? of what they're trying to do? or Imagine, well, body type in terms of, I imagine everyone is a, I'm not going to say like a similar height, but I imagine there's not too many overweight people there. And there's not too many... Uh, it's hard to perform at a high level if you're not fairly much an athlete, isn't there's, it? And there's, there's a lot of athletic people yeah. there, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I guess the point I was trying to go around the houses towards was that when your client arrives, you don't necessarily know what they're going to be no. looking like, right? But one of my clients this year was a fellow who played, um, uh, played Gaelic football. Yeah. He was six foot five. He must have weighed 20 stone. Like, huge dude. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. Full of injuries from playing football because apparently it's a really rough sport. Well, it is, I know it is. Yeah, and never, he never played it. No, no, and, and he was, you know, you have to work. This is where we, we, we talk about skill 
acquisition, right? You have to work with what is in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is important for the instructors to know because you kind of just got to go work with the, the equipment that you, and you know, whatever equipment and the skier you've got in front of you and whatever injuries they might have injuries. history of injuries and so yeah on. so and yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff to do with how yeah. they learn I guess yeah. and the the rental equipment that they're inevitably on as well yeah so the, everyone, all of the factors yeah, yeah. and everyone obviously whatever's up. going on in their head as well that's right. yeah <laughs> for, for all those reasons so that, all, all of it yeah but everyone who shows up at Interski you know, I would imagine has boots custom to them. Their setup is just right. You know, they're working on everything. Yeah. You know, everything is as good as it can be for, and to allow them to perform at the highest level possible. Yeah, and if they're on a demo team, they're they're bound to be pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they're going to have some skills, right? Yeah. So I imagine that's why it, I'm not saying apart from the standouts, but it's why it's now also there's that convergence of what people look like. There isn't sort of very distinctive individual styles anymore. Is because if you have a certain set of people who are probably built fairly similar on similar equipment, you're going to look, you know, what they yeah. what they are able to do is going to be similar. Yeah, and and I guess the equipment is a big driver of that. That's you know, for sure. I often say to clients, you know, like if you were skiing on my stuff, you'd be easy. Exactly. It's. You know, yeah. I changed my boots this year. So from um, a boot to a more high-performance boot, the difference was just sensational. Like I, I didn't realise there was another level. I thought mm. I had it sorted. And I went into this new boot, and I was like, wow, this is it's ridiculously easier. Mm. Literally, I'm just turning my feet. Well, that, that's why clients who have in Chamonix often say they're, they're wanting to get better at their, their downhill skiing. Yeah. But they're... Mountaineers who like to ski tour, but they come along in really lightweight yeah. touring type stuff. It's going to be very hard to improve your your downhill performance if the equipment is such a is holding you back. It's a real compromise. That you stuff, know, it, isn't it? it is such a compromise. And you know, I come at from from the skiing background. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like touring, but I'm coming at it as a downhill skier. Yeah, you know, so I'm wanting this the equipment that will still perform. That I can go uphill on, you know. I got the Salomon shift boot this year, which is okay. a revelation because it's a one thirty flex boot Touring that I can tour in. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, so it's <laughs> it's just brilliant, yeah, you know, for me, yeah, from for, from what I want. Okay, it's not the lightest, and if I was going on a longer tour, it wouldn't necessarily be the best. But if you're just doing, you know, mm. touring a little bit off lifts, yeah, perfect, because then you know you're going to have a nice downhill skiing experience <laughs> I did my Swiss EMS in my race boots yeah. so, and the guy so. was like they're the wrong boots I said look I just I want I've tried touring boots but I'm a yeah. big guy and I want the performance on the way down it's more important to me than a slow walk up yeah and you've got to I think in, in that environment you've got to pick your yeah the good thing about this new Salem boot it's a it's a pin oh yeah it's got the pin stuff so you know I've, I've used the shift really cool Salomon shift um, bindings and put yeah. onto a land ripsticks and away you go. You know, just got a great, great setup. Then for it. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's getting better and better all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, um, um. Now, what was I going to say? Modern equipment I covered. Technical I covered. Have you got anything else that you want to talk about? Interski about. Um, yeah. uh, I guess we've talked about quite a lot of it. I, um, 
I think one one other thing I've got in the report, which would be quite interesting for people, is, is I've got quite a lot of quotes from people. Oh yeah, um, and some of them are the kind of team coaches and um, mm-hmm. into ski president himself, uh, Eric Sheffield, and you know okay. so. It's, it's really quite nice that they've all been so supportive of the report and they've given me all these quotes to put mm-hmm. in the report because it, it just gives a flavour of what other people were thinking, you know, and, and some of the demo team members and just participants. Yeah. So so that's all going to be in there as well. Um, so, so that's quite nice. You know, it's not just, you know, obviously the report is my take on Interski, yeah, <laughs> but it's good to get some other people's views of what the Congress is like. Yeah. And those views are... Generally, oh, best ever, yeah. amazing. Yeah, and and but it's not just sort of the politics. It's also you know what they got out of the Congress, mm-hmm. and, and it's just nice to see that the nations are are really invested in it and see the value in it. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a criticism that's been of interesting in the past. Is it's just a, it's this thing that happens, and nobody knows what happens. Nobody really sees any benefit from it, and I think that yeah. for me is what. I was keen to change through the social media as well was just that we actually get the information out there to as many people as possible yeah it's the benefit well that's that, that's always been my issue with with it in previous years was always you know how is the membership of the various associations benefiting from this and and is some of just, the nations are very good in that yeah. sense um, you know doing that and, and making sure there's follow-up to the memberships you mm. know, like the americans have their national uh, academy, I think it is, the, the big event they have at the end of the season, so they're coming fresh from Interski to that, which is great. Yeah. You know, to share that with the membership. It's important, right? Uh, it's so, important yeah. The, that it filters down. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, one or two other standout things we had. You know, again, they're in some of my top takeaways at the end. Uh, there's likes of Lithuania, who are a new nation. <laughs> yeah. New in the Interski family, and they've just got four representatives there, but all great skiers, so uh, two men, two women. Um, so yeah, really, really nice to see like a new nation coming in and developed yeah. all their content in preparation for inter-ski running courses on snow. So nice to see that. Um, a marked difference between Pamperova in 2019 and here with the number of women demonstrators. Okay. Hugely changed. That's good. Um, and there was a great um, lecture from American and Shorting on just, you know, gender equity in sport and just looking more at the further back why there are issues mm-hmm. and not just sort of saying we just need to change the balance but look we need to change the whole thing further back along the pipeline so, okay. that, so that there's more equal opportunity for, for women to actually move through the certification process mm. um, so that that's a really you know that lecture is available to watch online as well again I'll have a link to it in the report yeah um, and then they had a, an, an orbital if I can say that word right, yeah, yeah. Um, women's run at the closing ceremony just with all, and then you looked and said, wow, there was that many women demonstrators. It was really quite impressive. And they did yeah, one for good. adaptive as well. Yeah. You know, just an adaptive run of all the instructors who were involved in adaptive and all the people who were there in, in Sitskis and whatever. So that, mm-hmm. you know, both of those were, you know, just nice to s- sort of highlight those, those points as well. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, is there much focus on freestyle skiing? Um, yeah, there, there was some. Again, it wasn't an area I was looking at, but I know it's <laughs> a little, little <laughs> bit old for that yeah. now. But, and they're, they're clearly, the people are into the number of people who kept diverting off the, on, mm. down in a demo to the jump. To, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yeah, the the Basie team had a couple of nice nice ones as well with a yeah. full backflip. Um, can't remember who that was, but just just uh, yeah, and and back into the line as well afterwards. Yeah, that's that pretty, was pretty cool. impressive. Yeah, so, it's um, yeah. something a lot of people are interested in. It's um, it's one of the biggest things that that we sell. We have a really cool club on a Sunday. Mm. The kids are really into it. Max yeah. uh, runs Max Stewart this year. In two groups and. It's just the kid. They've, they've created something really, really special, and it's yeah. like what you do once you've learned how to ski. You know that then they, then they sort of head into that, that area, and um, yeah, that's going that's, that's going really, really well. And it's you know, it's the parks are full all the time wherever you go. Yeah, and people want to do that. It's certainly something that that I'd like to see more content on as to how we teach it and how we promote it, because um, it's certainly. Something that the youth are into, mm. not old codgers like me, and, mm. and you know, don't want to leave the ground. But it's uh, it's it's something that yeah, I'd like to see. More of course, if you're, if you're a young person in Finland, mm. you learn to do all that on Telemark. Well, I mean, they, they that that was actually the <laughs> the closing run, which was the closing run before mm. everybody descended down the slope. Was was the the Finland team, the Finnish team, and it, it was. Incredibly impressive. I mean, all the runs were because they they mix their telemark skiers with their alpine, but you couldn't tell which is which. That they were going so fast on the telemarks, <laughs> but but then they were also doing all the jumps that the alpine skiers were doing, put on telemarks. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they had a thing right at the bottom of the final run where they just put a jump right in the at the bottom, and all the team was crisscross jumping over this. So it's, um, no, I was desperately trying not to mention telemark this issue because I keep actually on about it. But, but, but you brought it up. Yeah, uh, okay. I've been telemarking a lot this season. Right. And it gives me, um, what it allows me to do is to get to that place you were talking about earlier where I'm not thinking about, was that a good turn? Was that okay. a good turn? Yeah. That a good turn? You're just enjoying the experience. Just enjoying it for yeah. the, what it is. And it gives me a um, more freedom of movement, I've noticed. I've been thinking about this a okay. lot. I've got more freedom of movement and expression within my body because the way that the, the boots attached to the ski mm -hmm. rather than and when I put Alp, I go back to alpine skiing now I feel incredibly like restricted okay. yeah. in terms of how I move which is interesting it's something I'm going to explore more next yeah. season but my choice now I'll always say I don't know skis well. yeah, okay. I'm going yeah. um, alright last question on this then because mm -hmm. I did write down a question about this when you were talking about how amazing the resort was and how set up it all was from it. Has anything been lost from previous years in this advance towards sort of a more professional winter ski? I'll tell you the reason that I asked this question mm. is because it irritates me a lot with modern life in general is that the there's there's hardly anything everything now has to be done so professionally and there's always like you know if you look at sport everything's kind of professional to the nth degree mm -hmm. you know same in business the same in um yeah uh, in a lot of things, there isn't really any room anymore for sort of what you might call amateurism, or just yeah doing things for the I pleasure suppose. of it. Yeah, it depends how we define them, doesn't it? You know, it's just like the 
if, if we sort of think professionalism with career and job mm. and amateur as kind of being pastime and hobby, it, it, if that's how we define it, then yeah, that, that's one way of looking at it. But it, I suppose you could also say professionalism, just making sure that you're doing the job well yeah, and you're doing it with quality, but it could still be a hobby. Yeah. So, so yeah. you know, I don't think you have to, it, as I said, it just depends how we see it. I, you know, you still have the organizations within skiing who are more geared towards that. So the ISIA is, is the body that looks after professional mm-hmm. snow sports, you know, people who are making a career out of it, whereas the IVSI, I can't remember, they have a different lettering now because it's, okay. it's the language, but IVSI, the people still know what I'm talking about probably, mm-hmm. is more geared towards the kind of club structure. And the, so it's an accreditation for instructors, but it is it is amateur okay. in nature as opposed to ISI, ah, which right. is professional. Okay. And those bodies do work. They are members of, of Interski International. And then you also have the education one, which was... IVSS, they've also changed their letters, but mm-hmm. they're kind of they're bridging the gap between it, um, education or theory yeah. and practice. Uh, okay. Um, so so it's more the university type stuff that might be done to research stuff for, for yeah. snow sports. So so you do have those three bodies, and I and I think they were fairly well represented, you know, because the German workshop that I went to was actually they had very distinctly their sort of ISIA type mm-hmm. team and their IVSI type team. And oh, okay. that workshop was run, I think, by what would be come under their IVSI. Okay. Um, so I don't, in, in that sense, I don't think so. I, and I also think Interski is getting better at letting members come to the Congress, as in it's not just for the elite. Uh, okay, which so has also been a criticism in the past. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you're not uh, the elite and you're not picked, and and some countries have been very guilty of only opening it up to, yeah, them. I, you I, can't I, go I, won't, I won't mention any. I'll just say some <laughs> countries have been like that. Yeah. Whereas other countries have always been much more open. America is is the prime example. Have always opened it up to their wider membership. The Irish have done that too. We we have, um, although it didn't happen this time. It did in Pamperova, mm-hmm. and I just. Don't think people came for one reason or another. <laughs> I think there was a concern that Finland was close to Russia, but it's not like that. But that's that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, but the Americans have been very good at that traditionally of opening it up. So, so you are going into workshops, and there are people there who are just regular instructors who would be yeah, just amateur if you want to yeah, call yeah. it that. They're part-time instructors. It's a hobby. Mm-hmm. And they they enjoy coming to the event and and, they, and some of them have been to quite a few excuses as well, you know, so they enjoy the whole experience. Yeah. Um you know, so it, it, it's a little bit maybe disconcerting for them when they go into workshops and there's an incredibly high standard of skiing and, and yeah. you can see the differences yeah. for sure. But it is nice that some of these nations are more open to allowing, you know, if you like different levels of interest within the sport and professionalism or amateurism to be at the Congress. So I think that's good. Um, So, yeah, it's hard to criticize this one, to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) compared to the, compared to the others I've been at, all of them had issues before, Mm. whether it was logistics or, um, you know, certain things happening or not happening. I think 
this one just did a really good job. Yeah. So the um, the Austrian team is like an independent team, isn't it? Yeah, I I don't know enough about the structure. I mean, uh, Austria, Austria, Italy, France and, and Italy France and, yeah. left the ISAA. Yeah. Um, but Austria had their have an interski organization so there's a lot of politics going on in Austria you just have to look at social media to see see that yeah um, so there were, were people there like Patrick who I say, said trained the um, the Danes who wasn't there yeah you know so there's people missing because of the way things are structured in Austria but I honestly don't know enough about it um, but they did have a team there and they were a very very good team yeah yeah you know yeah. again great performances on the demo hill so you know whatever way it works there they still end up with with high-end skiers coming to the Congress. Um, Italy weren't there, um, and France weren't there uh, at all. That's a shame, isn't it? Although at the Congress, at the ISAA um, assembly, um, Italy have now rejoined ISAA. Ah. So they're back in. So we'll see those guys next year. Uh, so, next they, time. so they will be back next time. So oh, they, they have, as, as people said, come back to the club. So, um, <laughs> so whether um, Austria and France will follow suit remains to be seen. <laughs> I don't know why they will I don't want to know. <laughs> Politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It always ends up that way. Yeah. So, um, so in between all this, and we are busy ski seasons and stuff like that, you. It seems to me you're you've, you're transitioning into being a writer. So last time that we spoke four years ago, you were in the middle of finishing off. Was it was it just finishing with the first book? I think then you were doing either that. It was to do with the education. You were. Uh, I could you know, yeah. So yes, no. I would have just finished my master's yeah. um, degree in applied positive psychology. So yeah, actually, the other book, the first book, Learn, Enjoy, Flow, and Grow, came from. I suppose my career in skiing up to that point and my interest in learning and learning psychology combined with the degree I'd just done, so that, that kind of led to that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's available in paperback, ebook, and audio mm-hmm. um, on, on all platforms. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, that, so that was good. And then this, this book, Six Steps for Training the Mind, is, is a follow-on um, because I wanted to create something that was a more practical book, so it's it's got... At the end of each chapter, mm. it's got practical activities that you can do to train your mental skills. Yeah. And, that, and that's really the whole idea is in the same way as the Americans were saying, well, look, there are people skills that we can train as well as teaching stuff, as well as technical stuff. We can train mental skills. And mm-hmm. it, it then hopefully takes away some of this kind of, some people are, are always very, they, they don't like to admit, as you know, that, oh, I need to work on my mental side of the sport. You know, there's something wrong with me if I need to do that. Well, no, not at all, you know, no, but, but it's still it's still very much the case among some people and probably more so amongst men, men that are, are not sort of willing to admit, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they could do it practicing some of these. So that that's kind of the idea of the book. It It's just straightforward stuff, whether it's self-talk or relaxation which includes meditation and mindfulness yeah. or imagery which is a huge area imagery is huge. um you know to to pre-performance routines and then to back the final chapter takes it back to flow again which is obviously the thing that i was yeah. particularly interested in people getting to a, yeah. a flow state um so the idea is if, if you train these mental skills then you're going to increase your chances of being able to find flow state more often when you're skiing or whatever sport you're doing 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the book is also, yes, it's a sports-oriented um, book. It's obviously got plenty of skiing examples in it because that's my main background, but it, it's mm. got plenty of other examples of other sports oh, as well. I've seen many, yeah. But it's, it's also, as I found from the coaching I do with people, sort of more, I feel like, life coaching I do with people online, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's really the whole idea that sport and being in this mountain environment is good for your mental health. <laughs> for and, sure. And if you can train the mind through these steps, and it's equally as applicable to your wider life as it is to just a specific sport. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's the kind of idea behind that book. And I suppose I've used that book as a template for some of the coaching that I run online as mm-hmm. well. And people have found that a really good way to structure coaching sessions as well. So that's by going through each of, each of the steps. I uh, wouldn't even know how to... How, how long does it take you to write, write a book like this? Um, so I suppose the whole process is about a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, between... you Because... They are self-published as well, so you're learning that. That's why I wanted to do this interski report as an ebook because I've, well, I've learned how to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, well, then you publish it yourself, I've, right? I've got, I've got, publishing, yeah. Exactly. I've gone through that process, so I know how to do it. You know so, how to get a physical so, book made. Yeah. Well, actually, it's it's print on demand nowadays. Yeah. So you don't. Yeah, you order a few copies if you want them, but it's it is just you just don't just have to hold stock. It's great. It's changed yeah. so much. Yeah, know, the world's changed in, in that respect. In that industry as well. So it's yeah. It's very easy once once it it also means if you do find mistakes in it, you can just upload a new file. Of course. Yeah. And, and there you go. go and and it's done. You don't you don't you it's know true. so so I've done that a couple of times. <laughs> <when I've> found <laughs> so, a few things. Well I think in the process of editing books I helped someone with um with theirs one time. Like as a proofreader. Mm. And you, like if it's your own book because you've written yeah. it yeah you just you miss you, things you miss, that are just, yeah you yeah. miss it because you know what's written right? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so so yeah no that's been yeah it's been a, a sort of a never going to get rich from it but it's I think it's it's a nice addition to what I do yeah I, I just like that sort of I, I guess that's why I like going to industry is because in order to write something like that you have to go away and research stuff you have to spend time reading it. You have to understand it, and you have to think about it, and work through how really it applies in practice. And yeah. and so that that's really what those books are. Is just just yeah. my you know, brain not switching off. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get it all out. Yeah. And the problem is when you're writing something like that, it is really like that. You you know, I I will go to bed at night, and my brain will not switch off. And if I just have a thing that I'm thinking about, and I'm thinking about how I want to write this next bit, I sometimes just have to get up and do it. Yeah. And then go back to bed because if I don't get it out, yeah. it's like I'm going to forget it by the morning. I yes, I'll have that, forgotten how that, I was going to put, yes. phrase that. Exactly <laughs> so that. Exactly. I need, that. I need to write it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I do. My wife would tell you when we go out. You know, I'm often up at like three in the morning to start scribbling stuff down. Yeah, because it's, it's you. You have to. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't. You don't sleep very well. Yeah. You will forget it. Yeah, probably. You know, no, or, or you won't write it quite as well as you had it. You know, it'll well, just thing won't come out. In, yeah, that thing, time at three in the morning, so your brain's got it all, like, <laughs> organised. You know, yeah. it's done with the rest of the day, but it's, like, sorted it all, and you're like, right, that's got to go down. Yeah. You know, come up with some of my best ideas like that. Yeah, no, I think so, yeah. 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 You think you dreamt it. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, constantly turning, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so, this is amazing. This is really cool. And thank you. Thanks for thanks for giving me a coffee with this. I really, really appreciate it. I'll give that a read. Good. Put that next to my bed. Yeah. This is really cool. I've already seen a bunch of stuff in here that I know about. And I'm really, I'm very, very 
aware that you can use the power of imagery to go into be it a movement pattern or something and you can just kind of yeah. look at you it. You can use it for a whole variety of reasons. Um, yeah. And and that's that's kind of what comes out. I think people have come to in that particular mm. imagery mental rehearsal chapter is like, oh, I never knew there was so much to it. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah. Just yes. by having essentially seen it in your mind yeah. before you go out and practice it. Yeah, exactly. You can really, really get going with that. Cool. All right. Well, look, um, thank you. No, thank you for I'm having sure. me again. Okay. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> I will link to this book. Yeah. I will link to the report on Inski. Yeah. And anything else you want me to link to. But if people need to find you, tell them where you can be found. Yeah. Well, um, paralleldreams.co.uk is, you know, that's where okay. you yeah. certainly find my author stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've kind of got several things. I've also got Derek Tate coaching.fr <laughs> which is is my sort of coaching business mm-hmm. um, and then we have still Bass Chamonix or basschamonix.com which is, is the ski school stuff in, okay. in winter um, so that's my wife and myself um, yeah so that's uh, pretty much it I think and how you find time for all this stuff in between that and walking the dogs and yeah well it's the dogs yeah <laughs> it's good thinking time though yeah well that's true <laughs> that is true well look thank yeah. you thanks for taking the time okay. to come and um, no thanks for having me over we, we only studio. had two trains I think in all of yeah I know <laughs> disappointing Swiss punctuality but it's good there's some cool stuff out the window though it's ac- actually it's funny having the trains there as well because um, when I was doing my talks in it you know my pre-breakfast walk and talk at Interski um it, you know, you can imagine the temperatures at that time in the morning were fairly cold yeah. and the snow was lovely and squeaky. Oh. So I was, I was walking with, with the gimbal, you know, just, just talking yeah, yeah, into yeah. it and had the squeaky slow steps. Now, most people commented, I love this, uh, just the atmosphere you're creating for walking. And one person came on and complained. Said, it's really hard to hear what you're <laughs> saying. And you'd be much better if you just stood still. And, can't please well, other people. There you go. Oh, you can't please. <laughs> squeaky snow. I would have killed for some, It was one week of squeaky snow this exactly, year. Exactly. That yeah. was it. I think one that's what people week. were loving in the Alps. I know. I know. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay.